Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10 is where we're looking at this morning, uh, this evening. I took a nap, just woke up a little while ago, so it's morning apparently. Uh, Galatians 1, 6 through 10. Still looking at not following our false leaders. Apparently you swipe on this. <clears throat> Let's read that together. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, even but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now we get to the, the I mean, the, well, we, we've already had the meat of the letter, right? We, we looked at the introduction and, and, and a commentary I read today said, Paul did not waste a word in Galatians. And, and we saw that when we looked through just the, the hello portion of the passage and, and the greeting, how much theology he put there. But now he begins to really tie into the Galatians. Remember, we, we talked about the fact that he didn't do a hello. Uh, he, he didn't say, uh, I, you know, I, I miss you so much and, and you're doing so great. None of the things he normally said, this is the only letter that he foregoes all those nice platitudes and gets right into the issue. And we see why he gets into the issue uh, or why he gets right into the issue. And you're really going to love when we get to chapter three, verse one, sometime in 2019, uh, that how he handles how he. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give you a hint. He says, my dear idiots. I mean, that that is the tone of the letter. And he's setting it up right here in, in verse six of chapter one. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly. We'll, we'll start. Stop there. This blew Paul away that they would so quickly turn from what he had taught them. Now, we don't know exactly what he means by so quickly. Uh, we don't know if it was so soon after he left or if it was so soon after they heard the message. As those could be two different things. He was there quite some time. That was generally the way Paul worked. He stayed for a few months in a place. Uh, it, it's probably more along the lines of so soon after he left that, that they began to turn away and forget, ignore, whatever, uh, what he had he'd said. He was amazed. He, uh, this, this word is astonished, appalled. It, it's the, the, the Greeks were, they loved to use this word in, as kind of hyperbole, an exaggeration a bit on uh, how they really felt. In this case, there was no exaggeration from Paul. He just cannot believe. And we see other phrases throughout the, the, the letter that let us know that Paul cannot imagine why they are doing this. Blew him away. Uh, uh, so soon after his visit that they would turn from the gospel, turn from actually him who called you, he says. 
in this was not just surprise, but pain. That's that's the the, the further translation of the word, the, the deeper meaning of the word. It's one thing to shock somebody, to surprise them, but it's another to, to let them down. And that's what this word carries with it. Paul was just, he could not believe that they would, and in the next phrase, turn away from him. Or, or turning away. That's, that's we, we, we want to translate the word the way it says it, turning away. This implies uh, a, a work in progress. Uh, so we get a couple of things from, from that. Um, one of it is they are a traitor in progress. That is the, the force of this word. You, you are in the act of becoming a, a traitor, uh, committing treason to the God that you want, once served. But there's hope in the use of that word. If Paul had said, I cannot believe that you so quickly turned away, finality to it, then there may not have been hope. But in this use of the word turning, I can't believe this is what's going on right now. There's hope. There's the possibility of reversing course. And uh, if you remember, we talked about when we introduced the book that they did reverse course. Acts 19 or 20, somewhere long in there, Paul praises the church at Galatia. So we see that that he does actually eventually get to praise them uh, because they do turn back to, to their, their first love, as Revelation says. So they are they're traitors in progress. Uh, we find out later that they're being led astray, but they are traitors. It, this turning away from him, the word him, is not it's not clear who this pronoun points to, or for my English teachers, to whom this pronoun points. Uh, is it God? Is it Paul? Is it Jesus? Well, he talks about Jesus here in just a few words later, so probably not. Um, while Paul may have been concerned that his his church, his his uh, his group that he had witnessed to, was turning against the message he had, he he would not have cared too much if they. Uh, had turned from him. He writes later on in another letter, you know, some are of Paul, some of Apollos. All that doesn't matter as long as we're of Jesus. That was the, the, the main one we should be about. So Paul here is pointing to God. How, how could you so quickly turn from God? It's interesting that he does that. There's this idea again of the traitor, uh, the treason against the one who created, the one who made but the folks that are causing the problem, we're going to find out later on, are what we call today Judaizers. They were trying to add works of the Old Testament law to their salvation, to the sal- require the Gentiles to go through various works of the law in order to truly be saved. That seems to be the, the, the crux of the false gospel, the, the false message they're given. So if he is... he's digging, and he does this a whole lot, he's digging at those false teachers. He's telling the Galatians, who are following the false teachers, how have you so quickly turned against God? Not Jesus, God. So that these these people who want to be ritually pure or whatever, Jews, he, he's telling them, they're telling you in order to be closer to God, do these things. To be truly saved, to truly experience salvation and, and have a right relationship with God, you have to do these things. Paul turns it on its ear and says, 
how quickly you have turned against God. You're not getting closer to him by following these rules. You are actually getting further away. So, again, Paul does not waste a word in Galatians. That's why we're going to be in this book for, it'll probably only be about a year. Um, so you're, you're not turning away from God. You're not turning away from, I mean, I'm sorry, you're not turning away from Paul. You're turning away from God. And you're turning to a different gospel. Uh, some of your translations may say another gospel. Uh, there are, he uses two words, two different Greek words for another in this. And we don't catch it in our English because... Our English just isn't as nuanced a lot of the times as Greek. But in the first word, in the first case, uh, another, you're turning to a different gospel is uh, what it says up there. But your translation may say another gospel. That is the word heteros. And if you're familiar with your, uh, well, hetero means different, right? Uh, But similar. So, You're turning to another gospel, a heteros gospel, a gospel that is similar. Why are you, uh, you're turning to a, uh, hold on, I think I got my words backwards. Yeah, I got my, I think I got my words backwards. The first one, the another gospel, the different gospel is actually the one that says, you're turning to something completely different. That's the other word for another. Something of no no like character, no like kind. It is completely different. You are turning to something totally different because, he says, there's not anything that's even similar. That's, that's the force of this language. I'm sorry I, I, I confused me, and so I'm certain I confused y'all. You're turning to something that you say is a little like it. It's not. You're turning to something completely different because there's not even anything close to the real gospel. You, you think you've got something that's uh, a slight variation, but it's not just a slight variation. It is completely different. Now, now catch the, the, the force of that. And he's at this point, they don't really understand why it's so uh, different because they're going to say, oh, we're just adding a few little things. He's going to talk about this as he moves through the letter and If you think being called an idiot is bad, just wait till you hear what he says to the people who would require circumcision. I'll I'll leave that one alone for a little while. We'll we'll build up to that one. Um, He is not pulling punches. Somebody said this morning that I don't pull punches when I preach. Y'all, I ain't got nothing on Paul. I mean, if I preached the scripture the way he did, I'd have been fired. How long have I been here? Eight and a half months ago? I've been fired eight months ago. Um, so, you know, he, he does not lay, he doesn't make it easy at all. And, and he certainly doesn't with the Galatians. So you're turning not away from something similar. Uh, and that's the beginning of verse seven. Not that there is another gospel. There's nothing even similar to the gospel that we preached. And there's certainly nothing that's effective as far as the gospel is concerned. So he's, again, laying it out for them. You you think that you have to add something to this gospel that I have preached to you. You think you have to add something to make it work better. There's nothing even close to the gospel that I've preached. Adding things certainly doesn't make it more effective. You cannot improve on perfection. That's what he's telling them. You can't fix something that's not broken. 
And the gospel is not broken. There is no other gospel. So verse 7, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Troubling is, is exactly what it sounds like. They're stirring it up. They're in there and they're, they're messing the, with the pot and they are telling people and, 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 and whispering here and preaching there and getting a group. And there's, there's a group of them that are doing this. And it appears to be, to everyone involved, a minor variation. And maybe that's, the, that's kind of the word of distort. It looks like it's minor. They're, they're, they're wanting to distort this. But I was thinking, uh, when, when I read, they didn't have this, but when I read the word distort, I thought of funhouse mirrors. Uh, that you go in and, and it would make me skinny. Those are my favorites. Um, or, you know, it, it, nowadays we don't have funhouse mirrors as much. We have uh, Snapchat. If you're on, if you're on your phone, sorry, you know, most of y'all aren't. But there's a there's an app that can. One day I'll I'll do that for you. I'll I'll put the uh, I should have done that this time. Put a picture of it. I mean, it makes some gruesome images of you. Let me tell you. Uh, but that's what it it, it it almost looks right, but in reality, it's not even close. That's what he's saying here. It appears this my minor variation. And if, if it's nothing similar, and this is the next phrase I have on the screen, if it's not similar, then it is actually a complete change. And that's what the people are teaching. That's what the group is teaching. That it is a completely different gospel. He's going he's gonna to flesh this out more later on. So I, I don't want to hammer it too much because I don't want to give away what, what's coming up. But uh, that is... That's what's happening. So he says, it, you, you, uh, there are some who are troubling you. They're causing dissension. They're causing concern. They're causing worry. I mean, wouldn't that worry you if you had gone for months, maybe a year or so, believing, okay, this is the gospel, that uh, this is what saves me? And then suddenly somebody comes along and says, well, not exactly. you got to add these things. Well, Paul said we didn't have to have anything but... But, but faith and, and, and grace. Ah, yeah, I know what Paul said, but he's wrong. That would trouble us. Someone comes in and starts preaching a different gospel. That would be problematic. And and this wasn't a day and time where, you know, we think, oh, that, well, that would never happen here. I mean, if, if Michael leaves, we just get another preacher kind of like him and, you know, we move on. But in for this church, it didn't work that way. They had only had one preacher and there wasn't, uh, they weren't first Baptist and down the road at Second Baptist, they could call that preacher if they wanted him. It didn't, it wasn't the, that wasn't the case. They had had their one pastor. That was the only pastor they knew of anywhere. So when he was gone, it was very easy for people to come in and distort and to change the gospel. And then we take into account that when he says, you've so quickly turned away, we take into, if we go to Matthew chapter 13, I believe it is, uh, before I tell you that, I'll look it up. You don't have to turn there. I just want to make sure I'm telling you the right chapter. Jesus tells the, the parable of uh, the sower. Yeah, it's Matthew 13. And he tells us that seed fell in various places. And in one place, it fell on good ground, it took root, and it produced fruit. In other places, it grew up really fast with no roots. In some places, the seed was taken away. And in some places, it... Uh, grew and was burned by the sun. Uh, I think I got them all correct, correct there. Uh, you got the general idea. 
the idea being that when the gospel goes out, when people hear the gospel and respond to the gospel, there is a period of time where, let me back up and say, we as Baptists believe that once you have salvation, you always have salvation. The thing is, there's no magic prayer that saves you. There's no baptism that saves you. There is no uh, uh, aisle walk that saves you. There is only true faith that saves you. And there is a period of time, probably for most of us, I know for me personally, that I, I believe I was saved at uh, nine years old. I don't know that that was solidified in my life, though, until I was about 17 or 18. Now, in those intervening years, was I a seed, a, 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 a sprout with no root, that if the sun had come out and burned it up, I would have not experienced salvation? I don't know. Luckily, I don't think I have to worry about that. I, I'm, I'm confident in my salvation. I'm confident that the, the Savior holds me. But there's a point in time where we've heard the message, we respond to the message, but has our heart, has the message solidified in our lives? The concern here for Paul is that they are turning away. Is, has the sun come out and is it beating down on those, those saplings, those, those, those uh, uh, new uh, growth, that new growth in Christ and without the right protection, without watering, without uh, a, a, tin, a farmer tending that, will that dry up and blow away? That, I think, is what Paul's getting at here. And so to make sure that they don't ever have to face this again, we get to verses 8 and 9. And he says, but even if we, notice he puts himself in here. If we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached. We or an angel from heaven. He's covering it all here. It does not matter to him who shows up in their pulpit. If he, he says, if I come back in a few years and say, all right, folks, I was wrong about the gospel. Turns out you have to be circumcised. Turns out you have to do these things in order to be saved. Ignore him. If it's another apostle, ignore him. If an angel shows up in a white robe with wings and a halo, ignore him. This is how confident Paul is in the message of the gospel that he shared. What he's telling you, it does not matter the authority that the person has that shows up. If they show up and you believe and they have a message contrary to what I have preached, ignore them. Of course, this is he's he's getting another little dig into the false teachers. I'm telling you, if an apostle or an angel shows up, you don't believe them. And you believe these guys that just kind of showed up at your door one day. They don't have any real credentials. They're certainly not angels. They're not an apostle, but yet you follow them. Guys, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if the president of the United States comes in and says the gospel is wrong. You don't believe him. And, and how, how much do you not believe him? Well, Paul says anathema, a curse be on him. There is no stronger curse that one person could put on the other. And what is he what he is telling these people is if someone comes in and gives you a false gospel, that person can go to hell. 
just laying it out. That's what he's saying. As a matter of fact, he deserves hell if he would come in and teach a false gospel. Let's back up here just for a second. We're going to cover this even more later on. But Paul is saying, I use the analogy of of, uh, a few weeks ago of the boat leaving London, pointed toward New York, or leaving England. I don't know if you can leave from London and point toward New York at the same time, but just go with me on this. Don't get me on technicalities. Leave in England, pointed, go into New York, and they make a one degree change from London. And for the first few miles, it doesn't seem like it's a problem. But by the time you get to the U.S., you're somewhere in the southeast and nowhere near New York. Just from that one degree change. Now, you would say that one degree change was not a big deal until you get to the destination. And you realize how big of a deal it was. The Judaizers are saying... It's not that big a deal. It's just a few things we're adding. Just one degree. And Paul is saying that one degree deserves damnation. Because you are not just teaching a false gospel, but you are leading people down their own path to hell. So this morning when I talked about being a a fundamentalist, the five fundamentals and being an evangelical and saying that we believe in salvation uh, by grace through faith alone. Those are the, the non-negotiables as, as Christians. And if you, you don't remember the, the uh, fundamentalist, the, the five fundamentalist beliefs, uh, inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture, uh, deity of Christ, virgin birth of Christ, uh, penal substitutionary atonement, and bodily resurrection with a literal return, bodily return of Jesus. Those are the five big things. Can you think of all the things that aren't in there? I mean, like baptism after salvation. It's not in there. Not being homosexual. It's not in there. Uh, murder. It's not in there. I mean, my point is there are a lot of things that we can discuss. We can't discuss murder. Is murder okay, Michael? Oh, good. I get, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is these, these are the essence of Christianity. And when somebody calls you a fundamentalist and they mean it in a bad way, well, what they mean usually is you're some sort of legalist. You know what a legalist is? It's what the people in Galatians were. They were adding things to salvation. As a matter of fact, a fundamentalist would say, no, we don't add things to salvation. We hold these five things to be the fundamentals of the faith. If you want to be orthodox Christian, you believe those. As an evangelical, you believe that Christ is the only way. Uh, Penal substitutionary atonement. uh, Salvation through grace, uh, by grace through faith alone. Those are the things we focus on. And Paul is saying, if you are adding to, in this case, not the five fundamentals, but the salvation by grace through faith alone, then you deserve hell because you're leading people to hell. One degree. One little change. This is why I tend to be so hard on certain TV preachers. Most of the TV preachers, to be honest. Because... Well, that's why I said most of the TV. Edda said, well, you're a TV preacher. That's why I changed it to most. I'll tell you this story. It has nothing to do with the lesson. 
when I was in 10th grade and we moved to Louisiana, or going into 10th grade, I knew I was going to be a minister. Now, at the time, I believed God was calling me to be a minister of music. And the reason I believed that was because I didn't want to be a preacher. Um, and I didn't bother asking if that's what God wanted me to do. I just said, I don't want to be a preacher, and I can sing, so God wants me to be a minister of music. It makes perfect sense. And I went on with that for about five years until God really got a hold of me in college and said, no, that's not the case. But when I went to school, and most of my friends were, you know, they were fine that I was going into the ministry. Didn't, I won't say it didn't surprise them or anything. They didn't know anything about me. It was just, all right, you're going to be going into the ministry. I had one friend that told me, um, and this was about the time, around the time Jimmy Swaggart had his issue. Uh, and um, he, uh, you know, he was in Baton Rouge. Of course, y'all all know that. Uh, he said, oh, you're going to be on TV someday like Jimmy Swaggart. And I said, well, hopefully I'm not like Jimmy Swaggart anyway in, in any number of ways. But no, nah, I'm not going to be on TV. I'm not going to be a preacher. Anyway, I'm going to be a minister of music. So they won't put me on TV probably. And, well, I am a preacher. And lo and behold, I'm on TV. So um, that, that's, that was just interesting that his prophecy came true. Probably so. Yeah, he, he probably brought it up on Facebook. If he hadn't yet, he will once he realizes it. Um, so uh, that, that's, that was an aside. My, my, my bad. But the reason I, I, uh, I'm so hard on guys that will stand up and, and give you this health and wealth idea of the gospel or that will say that in order to be saved, you have to speak in tongues. Uh, there are groups that believe that or you have to... Uh, Excuse me. Be uh, be baptized. There are groups that believe that they're adding to the gospel. They are putting uh, restrictions on on who can be saved based on outward uh, uh, acts, and that's not the gospel. And then you have others that that don't preach enough of the gospel. That you know, oh, you know, if it, if as long as you feel good about yourself and you feel empowered. And that's what I was trying to get at this morning. A, a social gospel just wants to empower people to improve their lives. And that's not a gospel. Uh, a liberation theology gospel is, is even a little more than just improving your lives. It's breaking, breaking free of uh, oppression, generally some sort of governmental or cultural oppression, and breaking free of that. And the, the gospel helps you do that. The gospel helps a lot of things. The gospel's number one... Uh, uh, outcome, the number one purpose is salvation. And so Paul is telling these folks, don't listen to these people that will tell you that you have to add to the gospel a curse be on them, uh, an anathema. And then verses uh, 8 and 9 continue and say, he uses these verbs, even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you in verse 8. If anyone is preaching to you in verse 9, even in our English language, we can see the different tenses of those verbs. Should preach later on. Is preaching right now. It's another dig at the current false teachers. If you ever hear anybody come to your church and preach a false gospel, uh, a curse be on them. But if you should be hearing somebody right now preaching a false gospel, hint, 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 elbow, 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 
A curse be on them. Paul just wrote in a letter to the current, probably not preacher at the church, it, it probably was a group. He just wrote a letter to the church, and when they got up, they were reading this letter to the church, and if anyone is currently preaching a false gospel, and he's already pretty well laid out that there are people in the church preaching a false gospel, if there's anyone in the church currently preaching a false gospel, they deserve hell. Can you can you imagine the person reading that letter? Think you know, looking at the, the deacons and saying, "Should I read this out loud? Um, is this is this? Did he, did, am I reading that right? To get my glasses, I, I, you know, can you you can imagine the conversation because that's what he's saying to the people right there in the room at that time that are preaching this false gospel. He is calling them out. He's calling out. Uh, the, the, the listeners, the leaders that are hearing the letter right then. I'll, I'll repeat. Y'all think I'm harsh? <laughs> Y'all think I don't pull punches? And then he says, uh, if anyone's preaching a gospel contrary to what, we, you, what you received. Again, this, this, this gospel contrary, it's, it's, it's distortion no matter how uh, apparently minor. It, it, it's against the true gospel. I won't hang out there any longer than I already have. So verse 10, he, 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 he makes it clear because apparently this group is, is, is vying for power somehow. They, they're, they're, they're using this as an opportunity uh, to gain power. So Paul says in verse 10, for am I now trying to persuade people or God? Uh, your, your translation, instead of persuade, uh, may say please people or God. The, the, the actual Greek word is persuade, but it carries that uh, that that meaning uh, of, of of pleasing people, uh, persuading them to your side, or persuading them that you're doing the right thing. Am I trying to persuade people or God? Uh, if, if or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is Paul's life motive. He does not care what people think. I mean, I wish. I were like that. And y'all are thinking, well, I, I, you know, I, I am not. I am much more concerned than some people think about what people think about me. I like to be liked. Most of us do. Paul did not care. He did not care if you liked him. He was going to preach the gospel. His life motive was, am I trying to persuade people? Am I trying to please people? Or am I trying to please God? If I were trying to please anybody else, I would not be a servant of Christ. That should be our motive. Now, that does not mean, as James informed us this morning, that we get to say whatever we want. Well, I don't care about pleasing people. Now, that's not what Paul was doing. Paul spoke the truth in love. Now, my dear idiots, that was in love? Well... Do you have people in your life that when you have to have a hard conversation with them, you could say something like, my dear idiot, and they completely understand what you're saying. They're not going to hate you for the rest of your life. And they know that I know he called me an idiot, but also I know he still loves me. 
We, I think we all have people kind of like that. Now, it, it does depend on tone and, and, and being uh, uh, present. And Paul certainly was not concerned about calling out people preaching a false gospel and being harsh to them. I, I mean, they can a, a curse be on them. They're all deserving of hell. That's that's pretty harsh. But he is if, if the truth hurt them, if the truth upset them, he was OK with that. He would be willing to upset a few to save the many, to see the many saved. Paul didn't didn't save them. So his his point here is uh, I'm not I'm not looking to please people. I'm not trying to to persuade people. I am only concerned about pleasing God because if I were concerned about anything else, I would not be a servant of Christ. If if that that should be the pastor's motto. And uh, sorry, I just thought of Lion King. Uh, what's a motto? I don't know what's a motto with you. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, the things that run through my mind sometimes. Uh, that should be what we live by. That should be our sole purpose. That as a pastor, you know, I've, I've told people this before, and again, some people don't believe me. Y'all would not believe the, uh, <laughs> the number of times I question what I'm about to preach and what I've already preached. And not just here, uh, ever since I've been a preacher. Just because I, I know, I mean, I, I know sometimes I say things that I preached. Somebody can leave this morning saying, well, all he did was say we shouldn't be Republicans. You know, that's how some people would turn what I said this morning. And that's all right. I know how these things are going to come across sometimes. And, and, and I worry. And I worry afterward. And, 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 you know, Edda will say, that was a good sermon. I'm like, really? I didn't go? No, 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 no. So, you know, I, 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 that, that's, that's good. She doesn't always say that. Sometimes she says, mm, you shouldn't have, shouldn't, have, shouldn't have done that one. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, too late now. But my purpose is, the pastor's purpose is, please God and not man. But that's just not that's not just my purpose, y'all. That's every Christian's purpose. That's everything that we should strive for. That should be our life motive. First and foremost, we please God. And if some folks don't like that, y'all, the world's not going to like that. Where's the persecution coming? I've said it before. I'll say it again. We, we tell people that we have the absolute only way to heaven and the vast majority of people are going to hell because they don't have it. Why would they like us? Why wouldn't they say, well, I don't know about that. That's kind of rough. I know it's rough. But we speak that truth in love, in the hopes that they come to Christ. And Paul says that that's his life motive. I would not be a servant of Christ. And he wraps it up, or, or I'll wrap it up, by saying uh, this, that these three things. First, the gospel needs no alteration. It doesn't have to be harder or easier for acceptance, for it to be accepted by the world. The gospel will not be accepted by the world, so let's just get all, that off the table now. But it needs no alteration. These folks were making it harder than it is. Some folks want to make it easier than it is. Oh, you just, just, yeah, you know, come to church and be good. That's it. That's, that's the gospel. No, it's not the gospel. 
But these guys are saying, oh, trust in Christ and do this and do this and do this and do this and making it harder. No, that's not the gospel. The gospel needs no alteration. It is perfect the way it is. The gospel doesn't need marketing. We do a lot of things in order to earn the opportunity to share the gospel with people. But the gospel itself does not need marketing. We don't need to dress it up. We don't need to make it look better than it is. We don't need to hide parts of it behind what we consider the good parts. And, oh, Jesus loves you. Oh, by the way, he's going to send you to hell if you don't accept it. But he loves you. You know, we don't, we, we don't do a bait and switch. Too many churches nowadays do the, the bait and switch. It doesn't need that from us. But ultimately, uh, the true gospel will not make us popular. And that cannot be our concern. Paul was not interested in popularity. That's this verse 10. He's not interested in the fact that these false leaders, these false uh, teachers in the church are going to turn against him and say all sorts of horrible things about him. You believe that guy? He's not even here. He doesn't even like you anymore. If he still cared about you, he'd be here. He wouldn't just be writing a letter. He just likes being mean. He just likes the power. He's a, he's a dictator. He's this. He's that. They're going to say all those things. And Paul does not care because the most important thing is that he is true to, the, to God and true to the gospel. So that's his message in verses 6 through 10. And now we, we really begin, well, I say we get, begin to get into the meat. Y'all, y'all aren't going to believe me anymore if I keep saying that. So um, I'm going to stop. Next week we'll look at, uh, I believe it's verses uh, 11 through, probably 11 through 17 if you want to read ahead. Uh, and we'll... We'll see what else Paul has to say. Because he's really not even done with his introduction yet. Not next week, because next week is Mother's Day. That's right. We don't have services next week. Next Sunday night. Next Sunday night. We're having church Sunday morning. No, you did not hear me say we don't have church Sunday morning. We do have church Sunday morning. We don't have service Sunday night. Uh, So it'll be in two weeks. Any questions? Anything to add to that? This is, for some of y'all who, this may be your first Sunday night here, we... We try to open it up for questions or comments. Or to explain something better than I did. Y'all just want to get the reception, don't you? Y'all are thinking, what, what kind of food has Becky got for us over there? It's got to be good. We want to go. Shut up, Michael. Well, take your Bibles and turn to... Uh, all right. I won't do that to you. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this evening. God, we thank you that that you inspired Paul to be rough and gruff and but still be loving and, and Lord to to absolutely stand on the truth. Lord, we pray that we would not hindrances to the gospel. It doesn't need marketing. We don't need to improve on it. We don't need to make it more palatable. But nor do we need to add traditions and, 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 and rules and uh, actions in order to prove our salvation. It's not the gospel you set up. God, you have told us this is, this is it. This, trust, believe, faith. Salvation is by grace through faith alone in Christ Jesus. That's it. And, 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 and really, that's hard enough uh, to, to wrap our head around. We don't need other encumbrances put on it. So we thank you for a simple gospel that uh, is life-saving. And we thank you for your 
your gift of your word to help us understand these things. We thank you tonight as we celebrate uh, Marcy's retirement. We thank you for for her 30-some years of of service to you. Uh, We pray that you would bless the food that we're about to have, bless our fellowship, and we thank you for, for all that you're doing in this church. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.